Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. If this ministry has been a blessing to you, would you let us know? Send an email to toledocalvary.org. We would love to hear what God is doing in your life today. Well, good morning, Calvary. Let's try that again. Well, good morning, Calvary. So glad that you are here today and uh, excited for what we're going to do. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Acts chapter 19 today. I want to welcome those of you not only here in Auditorium 1, but those of you joining us in Auditorium 2. So glad that you're here. You may be watching online or by way of television. We're just thrilled that you're with us today. Like I, I want to share something that I want to bring to your attention that's really important. And I want to I get my words right on what's happening in the world right now. There is an evil leader who is disregarding the rules of just war. His desire is to take over territory that does not belong to him. He has had his forces poised to do this for some time, and he has not hidden his intentions. To get what he wants, he will do whatever it takes. He's not afraid to bring destruction, and he will take out the innocent if that's what is needed. It would be easy for you and I to think that this is just a problem that someone else is facing, but the atrocities that are happening at the hands of this evil force are not the ones that we can easily ignore. There is a call to courage. Brave men and women are standing up to this evil. Many of them have been more successful than could have been imagined, and yet the landscape is littered with the casualties of this conflict. There are many refugees who have nowhere to go, because of the destruction that has occurred. It might be someone else today, but it could very well be you and me tomorrow. If we ignore the fact that there's a war going on, we will fail to realize and find victory. You and I have been called to fight. And as I read that, many of your minds, appropriately so, would have gone to the conflict in Ukraine which fits many of the things that I just described to you there. But the conflict that I'm talking to you about is much older and it's much bigger and it's much more dangerous. And in the backdrop of what's happening in our world right now, I don't wanna minimize, but I also don't want you to miss that there is a war going on and you are right in the middle of it. The Bible tells us that you and I have an enemy 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 describes him this way. Be alert and of sober mind because your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. We have an enemy. Scripture refers to him as Satan, as the evil one, as the devil, and tells us that he prowls around like a roaring lion. I've heard him roar. Anybody else? And his intention is very simple. Jesus said it this way. John chapter 10, verse 10 tells us that the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. That's his focus. He hates God. He hates everything God loves, which means he hates you. And as a result, his desire is for you and everything that you love and hold dear to steal and kill and destroy. Jesus tells us there's good news though, right? (laughs) That Jesus has come that we may have life and have it to the full. Today I wanna talk to you about a topic that we'll just simply refer to as spiritual warfare. You and I find ourselves in a battle for our souls and there's an enemy who would love to destroy us. We're in this series that we're calling a new season and 
practically, we've been looking at the different ways that the Holy Spirit works in our lives. That the Holy Spirit isn't just this, this creature, this it that's out here hovering. The Holy Spirit is a person. He is God, and he wants to be at work in your everyday life, in my everyday life. And we've talked about what it's like to have a new season of life filled with the Holy Spirit. And new seasons emerge from fresh encounters with God's Holy Spirit. So we've been praying kind of a fresh prayer each week to help us hone in on the things we're talking about. And our prayer for today is this, Heavenly Father, in this new season, may your Holy Spirit bring to me weapons for warfare. If it's true that you and I are fighting some kind of spiritual battle, then what we need are weapons so that we can be effective in this warfare. So to go there, we're gonna go to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 19. In fact, we're, we're gonna springboard off of this passage of scripture for the next three weeks. I, I think personally that we underestimate just how important the stories are in Acts chapter 19 about who God is and what he does and the impact, truthfully, of just these first two verses we're gonna read on the New Testament. For the next chapter or so, the, the city of Ephesus will pray, play a strategic role in what we read in the book of Acts. Paul then plants a church there. Paul spends twice as much time in the city of Ephesus than he does in any other city where he plants a church. He had this real connection there. Years later, when Paul is in a Roman prison, he writes a letter to the church that is in Ephesus, and we know that in our New Testaments as the book of Ephesians. Some of us were sleeping in Sunday school. We'll try that, just kind of one more time. It's called the book of, anybody? <laughs> Ephesians, right, that Paul wrote. So we have that book of the Bible. When Paul wrote two letters to Timothy, Timothy was a young pastor who was serving the church in Ephesus. When God gave to the apostle John in the book of Revelation letters to write to seven churches, one of those key churches was the church in Ephesus. In fact, John the apostle himself ends up being the pastor of the church in Ephesus and spends the last years of his life there. I would, I would contend to you that one of the most influential churches in the whole New Testament, and especially the latter part of the New Testament, is the church that's in Ephesus. It was also an extremely strategic city. It was referred to in many inscriptions at that time at the first and greatest city in Asia. Asia was considered the most prosperous part of the Roman Empire in that time, and the leading city there would have been Ephesus. It was a metropolis of about a quarter million people, the fourth largest city in the Roman Empire. It was a very strategic and unique place. All of that is helpful when we read in Acts chapter 19, verse one, while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. Extremely important, extreme, extremely strategic. And there he found some disciples and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they answered, no, we've not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So next week, we'll come back to that part of these verses. But I wanna jump back to the verse just before and look at what Paul said. When Paul gets there, he, it, it's funny how Luke writes this. Now Luke is the historian who, who actually wrote the book of Acts. And when he's telling this story about Paul, he, he cuts out all the niceties. He doesn't talk about who Paul hung out with first or the places he went first or the things that he did or what, what restaurants he visited or all these kinds of things. He goes right to a very aggressive question that when Paul interacts with the disciples, and you see it more aggressive here than you do anywhere else in, in, in how Paul 
enters into places in the book of Acts. When Paul gets there, he just aggressively asks them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Did, did, you, did, you, did you do this? Like he was like straight to the point. And when I read that, I asked myself, why? Why was he so forceful with those disciples right away? And I think it was because of the place that they were. Because he knew if they were gonna be effective in following Jesus in Ephesus, the thing that they needed was the Holy Spirit at work in their life. Without the Holy Spirit, they were not gonna be effective. Why? Because not only was Ephesus a strategic city, but it was a spiritual city. It was known as being something of a center for magical practices in the Mediterranean world. People knew that there were spiritual things that happened there. And so Paul's giving them a heads up. He says, look, there is already spiritual, dark, evil spiritual activity at work in your city. So if that's the case, hey folks, let's cut right to it. You know what you need? <laughs> you need the Holy Spirit. This is really key to understand. Your need for the Holy Spirit is essential where unholy spirits reside. And if you're in a place where you're gonna find yourself in some spiritual conflict of some kind, and we'll, we'll kind of outline that in a few moments. If you're gonna find yourself in some spiritual conflict, you know what you need? <laughs> you need the Holy Spirit at work in your life. Now when we talk about Ephesus, and what, what we're gonna do for the rest of, of today is, is jump out of Acts 19, and we're gonna go to Ephesians chapter six. So if you have your Bibles, print or digital, you wanna scroll or turn to Ephesians chapter six with me because that's where we're gonna dig in today because Paul is gonna say more to the church in Ephesus about spiritual things than he really does in any of his other letters, especially about spiritual warfare and spiritual powers that may be at work. And I think the reason he does is because it was knocking on their front door. The reason he says this is because they interacted with the supernatural. Most of these believers came out of a society and experience where they had a background in magic, astrology, witchcraft, goddess worship, mystery cults. They had all these gods and goddesses, including one of the seven wonders of the world, the Temple of Artemis or Diana, was right there in their city. So they were familiar with all these different powers and Paul is saying to them, if you're gonna live out your faith, you know what you need? <laughs> you need the Holy Spirit to be at work in your life. So what he gives them in these next eight or nine verses that we're gonna look at is a battle plan for spiritual warfare. That when you face some kind of conflict, when you face some kind of battle, we're gonna look at kind of five components here that give to us a battle plan for spiritual warfare straight out of the letter that Paul writes to the church that's gonna face it more than anyone else. So, little pop quiz. We face a lot of spiritual conflict in our world today. True or false? True. We might not see it like you would if you're gonna to go to another country and encounter some cultures that are different. We don't have a witch doctor on every corner, but we do have on every corner, oftentimes we have on every station on TV, every channel on every thing that we could click on, a channel by which the enemy can bring influence into our lives and into our minds. We often aren't aware of the spiritual battles that we're facing because they're so familiar to us. And it's necessary for us to step back and realize we face real spiritual conflict in our world and we need to be aware of that. I, I have felt all week 
that what we're gonna look at, and we're gonna cover a lot of ground in the next few moments, so I can't hear you if you're online or in A2 or watching on TV, but we're gonna cover a lot of ground. Are you with me? All right, we'll do it anyways. So we're we're, we're gonna push through what Paul says in his letter in Ephesians chapter six about having a battle plan for spiritual warfare. Let's start with verse 10. Ephesians chapter six, verse 10. Paul says, finally, he's wrapping up this letter to the church that he loves. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. My mind, when I read that verse, naturally just goes to this idea of mighty power, because I like that. But if you read it in its original Greek language, you would see that the focus of this verse The place where Paul wants to draw their attention is not on the power, but how you find it. We are called to be strong in the Lord, not our own power, not our own strength, not our own ability. Our strength is to be found in the Lord. Why is this so key? It's key because Paul's writing to the church in Ephesus and he's saying to them, you are used to finding power and spiritual activity in the things in your culture that you have interacted with from these what they would call helper spirits or incantations or rituals or formulas, calling on your gods and goddesses. And he says, instead, realize your strength is to be found in the Lord. It's what God does in your life that brings you strength, not what you find from an outside source or what you conjure up in yourself. Now look, we probably don't do a whole lot with incantations or spells or gods and goddesses But we often look for strength in all kinds of places outside of God. And maybe the next time if I face a battle, if I'll realize that my strength does not come from any other place, but that it comes from the Lord. If I'm gonna make it through this challenge, through this conflict, through this conversation, through this moment of tension, through this time when I don't know what to do, if I'll realize that my strength comes from the Lord, it will help me to move forward in getting to a place of victory in my battle. Now look, I'll I'll tell you as I was thinking about this, one of the things that came to my mind, and maybe I'm just a whiner, I'll just put this out there, is like God thanks that you give me strength, but why do I have to have battles in the first place? Anybody else? I'm like God, look, I know you'll give me strength, I know you'll help me in the battle, but I'm okay to go without it. Like I, I I don't even want one. I'll, I'll be good if I don't have to have a spiritual conflict. What, what's the purpose of the battles? Why do they even come in the first place? Well, I think it's good for us to talk about that because when we're in the middle of some kind of tense spiritual conflict, it's easy for us to go, I don't wanna be here. I, I don't know why I'm even a part of this. Like, God, I, I don't want this. And we've gotta realize that sometimes these battles come simply because our world is broken, right? We live in a fallen world, and there will come a time when everything will be perfect. Is that that time yet? No. So we live in a world where there will be sickness, where there will be war, where there'll be disease, where there'll be uncertainty, where there will be tension, where there will be conflicts and disagreements. We're gonna find ourselves in those places. And so that's why we need God's strength. And it's really important for us to recognize that when we're in the midst of that battle, oftentimes when that battle comes, God sees that through that he can develop us into better warriors. He can help us to grow spiritually, 
personally to develop characteristics that he's gonna use later. The Bible tells us what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. No, I heard that on the radio. That wasn't the Bible, never mind. But, but it's true, right? That God will often work through our battles to work something out in us. In, in fact, I have to talk to myself when I'm in the midst of a struggle because I have a tendency to think that the battle is all about me, that it's about me winning or me getting or me, 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 that somehow I focus here. And what I need to realize is that oftentimes the battle isn't about me, the battle is about what God is trying to accomplish through this season in time in my life. Think about this, maybe the most epic battle in all of the Old Testament, if we're gonna talk about it, is the battle of David and Goliath, isn't it? Little guy, big guy, classic fight. And when David is out on the battlefield and he's smack talking Goliath, he says this, 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 47, David says, all those gathered here, you big ugly giant, I added that, will know that it's not by sword, or spear that the Lord saves. For the battle is the Lord's. He will give all of you into our hands. David had a perspective that I need to get in times when I'm challenged and I'm facing issues in my life. That maybe this battle isn't about me, but it's about those that will see. It's about God getting glory and bringing his rescue, his salvation to other people through the battle that I'm fighting, which is why it's so important to know that when I'm in the midst of that battle, that that battle is the Lord's. So be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, which takes us then to verse 11, Ephesians chapter six, verse 11. Next, you put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. This is where we started out today. There is an enemy, he is the devil, and you know what he's doing? He's scheming against you. He's plotting against you. Have you ever, have you ever walked up on people who were talking and they were whispering, and when you came up, they just stopped? <laughs> you ever had that happen? They, and they go, oh yeah, we were, we were just catching up. No, you weren't, you were talking about me. <laughs> Liars, you ever had that happen? Like, and you just know they're scheming. Well, the devil is scheming. And you know who the forces of the enemy are scheming against? Probably you, in some way or another. And as they do, how do we respond? Well, Paul says you do this. You put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. So here's our battle plans. Number one, you need to start with your strength. Your battle plan is to start with your strength and know that your strength is in the Lord because the devil's gonna scheme against you and when those schemes come, you start with your strength. And where do you find it? Not in yourself, you find it in the Lord. The second thing is then you gotta dress for success. Number two, you have to dress for success because when the enemy comes with his schemes, we put on that full armor of God. I was talking with a friend recently who's in the military and he was describing the gear that they wear in battle and he referred to it as battle rattle. And I was like, whoa, 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 stop a minute because I've, I've never heard that term before and I just liked the way it rolled off the tongue. Battle rattle, try saying that. Battle rattle, isn't that kind of, and I was like, what is that? What do you mean when you say that, right? And here's kind of a definition of it. 
Battle rattle is a phrase used within the military to refer to all the gear servicemen and women are required to carry outside the wire. So when they go outside of the safety and confines of, say, a military compound, and they go out where the enemy is, they wear this gear. Oftentimes, it's composed of a flak jacket with protective plates, Kevlar, 180 rounds of ammunition, water, rations, a rifle, and it's called battle rattle because walking with all that stuff usually makes noise. I was talking with a friend of mine today and he's like, nobody likes putting it on. It's heavy, it's a lot of stuff, it's intricate, but if you're going out there where the enemy is, you better believe you want it. And so Paul says in the Chad Gilligan version of the New Testament, because the devil's scheming against you, you better put on your battle rattle and dress for success. Like, be ready so that when you go out into the conflict, you will have what you need. More on that in a minute. Let's go back to the text. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. Paul says, for our struggle, the fight, the spiritual warfare, the conflict, is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Look, I'm not an expert on these things. There's some people who know a whole lot more about angels and demons and about what happens in the spiritual world. But here's what I know when I read this, that Paul says that you and I, when we face struggles, it's not against what we can see and touch. Oftentimes that's how it shows up in our world. Oftentimes that's how we see it. But we need to realize that what's motivating that conflict, what's motivating that struggle, what's motivating that challenge that we're facing isn't just that person or that thing, but our struggle is against rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. What he's saying is you have an enemy, and it's not always one that you can see, so if you're gonna be effective in battle, here's number three, you have to identify the enemy. Number three, you have to identify the enemy. And so many times, the enemy that you are facing is not a person or a sickness or a circumstance, but it is something that's being motivated by a spiritual power. Have you seen these VR goggles that people wear to play games and do these different things and go into the metaverse and all that? Do you know what I'm talking about? Have you seen any of these videos that go viral of, of folks who just start swinging crazily in their living rooms? They try to jump into their TVs or they run into a wall? Because when they're in there, it's so immersive that they think that's what's really real. And it's not until they take off those goggles that they see what's actually going on around them. I would maybe contend to you that you and I live in a VR world and what we can see we think is what the real issue is. When actually, if we could ask God to kind of lift those blinders, then we would really see what we're fighting against. Does that make sense? We have to, number three, identify the enemy, and so many times we, we misplace that. Now let me just, I know I don't have to say this to most of you, but there's probably somebody you know, who needs to, to hear this. Don't start looking for the devil under every rock. And every, every person who cuts you off in traffic is not a demon, right? The snow today is not demonic oppression on your life, it's a cold front and a warm front. Can I get an amen? Right, but we do that. Like somebody's gonna take your parking place as you go to pull into it when you go to lunch after service and you're gonna go, it's the devil trying to ruin my day. No, you were just too late. 
Drive faster. Well, no, don't do that. But you know, you know what I mean. Get thee behind me, right? Okay, but here's the deal. You will face issues that you're quick to blame on somebody else, and you need to realize that there are ways in which, and I don't encourage you to walk up to somebody and go, you're full of the devil in the atrium on the way out. That's not what I mean. But guess what? That cantankerous family member or that on-the-job conflict, that rough patch in your marriage, or that bad season you find yourself in, it all could be more than just what you wanna say it is. And recognize that it might be the enemy of your soul who's trying to steal, kill, and destroy. And you have to identify that enemy. So, so what do you do? Well, let's, let's jump back to the text. Ephesians chapter six, verse 13. We gotta run here. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then. Do you think he wants you to stand? Yes, I mean, he's stressing it. He's saying, look, he didn't say if the day of evil comes. He said when the day of evil comes. So if you've not faced spiritual conflict, you can thank me later because it's probably gonna come sometime. And when it does come, you put on your battle rattle so that you'll be able to stand your ground. Here's the fourth thing we do when we are facing spiritual conflict. Number four, you stand your ground. You stand your ground. There comes a moment when you say, no, that's enough. Like, I'm not letting this battle move any further. I'm not letting the enemy win in that place in my life. You've gotta say, here's where I stand. Here's where I fight. American Airlines released a statement recently where they were celebrating the effectiveness of some of their crew because there was a flight that was going from Los Angeles to Washington, D.C. and had to be diverted and stop in Kansas City. When you read the story, it's actually really sad and tragic because there's an individual who clearly was not in a good place who just began to respond in irrational ways, in such a way so that after bothering a bunch of passengers, threatening flight attendants and stuff, he literally went to open the door in the airplane, which you know is a bad idea. Can I just get your agreement on that? So when he did, this flight attendant said, no, 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 that's enough. And the flight attendant took the coffee pot off the cart and whacked the dude in the head with it two times. Be careful on American Airlines, okay? Some other, some other passengers then came up, they subdued the guy, they had to stop in Kansas City to get him off the plane and all that stuff. But I read that story and I was like, well, no wonder they're celebrating that flight attendant because it reached a point where they said, no, I'll fight for this now. Like, you're not doing that. And they stood their ground. Paul's saying, in your life, don't miss that there's an enemy who's out to destroy you, your family, your reputation, your soul. And there comes a point where you say, nah, that's enough. And you stand. How do you do it? Ephesians chapter six, verse 14. He says, you stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist and with the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. You know how the last few weeks, and some of you, if you've been in this series, you may have noticed, I failed to give you a verse to go home and memorize these last couple weeks. Did anybody notice that? So sorry about that. Here's your homework. Memorize all of that. We're gonna catch up, okay? It's not as hard as you think. 
I want you to be able to put on the full armor of God. And when you do, number five, last thing, this is where we're gonna park for a little while. Number five, you fight your battles. Because when those battles come, you have the tools. You have the weapons for warfare. You have what you need to be victorious. Now look, here's here's the thing about when you fight your battles is it helps if you know what battles you might be facing. Because if you, can, if you can see what that battle might be, then you're ready for it. Back in World War I, and if you, if you think about the time and what, what warfare was like in that time, in France, many of the battles that were being fought were being fought from trenches. So if you're down in a trench, you can't see what your enemy's about to do. So they realized this was a disadvantage because they, they were getting blindsided. How do you know what the enemy's doing unless you can get to a spot where you can actually see it? So what they would do is they would, they would find a way to get out and take a picture of the front line and they would identify trees that looked to be strategic. They would send those pictures off to some skilled tradesmen within the military and then they would build replicas of those trees to the same height and width, dimensions and that kind of stuff. So if the enemy was looking, they wouldn't notice that the landscape had changed. They would build these trees, fake trees, out of steel and cover them in canvas. They would, they would make them and then in the cover of darkness, they would go out and in one night, they would chop the tree down and then they would erect this kind of fake looking tree that had a ladder inside of it So a soldier could go in the hollow tree, climb up the ladder inside, sit on a perch and look out a periscope and could look around and now could see where the enemy was coming from. Genius. It changed the course of many battles because before when they were down in the trench, everything was a surprise. But now you can see what your enemy is up to. You will fight more effectively if you can't anticipate the battles you may be facing. Isn't that true? Like if every time the enemy comes, it's a pearl harbor of your soul, he's gonna get the upper hand. What we're gonna do for the next few moments is kind of climb up in a spiritual tree and take a look at some of the battles that the enemy might be sending your way so that when they're coming, they're not gonna catch you off guard and you'll be ready in your battle rattle to stand your ground. How's that sound? And can I tell you, Many of us need this because we keep letting the enemy get the upper hand. And you know who's been on my my mind and heart through all this this week? Those of you who are parents and grandparents who have children in your homes, preschool, elementary, middle school, high school, and your children are facing spiritual battles and conflict, are they not? In many ways, some that you and I as, as parents We never faced. And you're getting blindsided by some things. And in many ways, can I tell you, your your kids might not be in a place and position to fight those battles for themselves. So you know what your job is, mom and dad? You know what you're called to do, grandma, grandpa? You're called to stand and take up the full armor of God and fight not just for yourself, but to fight for your family and your home. Does that make sense? So let's do this, rapid fire. I wanna run you through seven kind of scenarios, battles that we might face. Are you ready, buckled up? Here we, here we go. Don't, don't step out of the room if you're watching online. Here we go, here's the first one. Battles of untruth. If, you, if you're out there, it's, it's a reality that you might face what we're gonna call battles of untruth. 
that we are up against falsehood, we are up against lies, we are up against things that just aren't true, and it's good for us to know that. Now, this is nothing new. Go back to the beginning of the Bible, Genesis chapter three, when Adam and Eve are in the Garden of Eden, and there's that forbidden fruit that they're not to take, and the serpent wants to tempt them, what does the serpent say to them? Did God really say? Because if he could come in and twist the truth It was his passageway, it was his doorway to get them to a point where they would step out and he would win the battle. Does that make sense? So this has always been a tactic of the enemy because if he can get us to question truth, then he's got us in a point where he can move forward with his attack. That's why Paul says first and foremost, when you put on your armor, you put on the belt of truth. Now look, we we see this in our culture Our culture's in a place in so many ways where we are constantly challenging the word of God and what is truth. Like we're throwing it out. You got your truth, I got my truth, they got their truth, you can do whatever, you can say whatever. You can identify as whatever you want and it's all over the place and what it causes is this questioning of the ultimate what is true. True? And you and I as followers of Jesus Christ have to say no, there's there's truth. We also need to realize that one of the things the enemy's gonna do is try to question the truth about you and tell you that you aren't loved, you aren't valuable, you don't have hope. He's the father of lies for a reason and he will use those things to try to get you to question truth. That's why Jesus said, John 8, 32, we said it last week and I checked, it's still true. Then you will know the truth and the truth will So that's why Paul says, as he's starting with this, you start with the belt of truth. When the Roman soldier would put the armor on, the very first piece they would put on, it's interesting, as as we read through this, Paul gives us these pieces of the armor in the order that the soldier would put them on. Paul says, you start with the belt of truth. Why? Because every other piece of this armor was somehow attached to that belt, and if the belt wasn't there, it didn't support the other pieces. Is truth important? You better believe it is. We will face battles of untruth. Let's climb back up in that tree. What else might we see coming? Let's call them battles of temptation. That the enemy will come and he will try to tempt you because what he's trying to do is through that temptation get you to a point where you are vulnerable enough that he can attack your heart. Which is why Paul says you put on the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate for the Roman soldier was often referred to as the heart protector. It would cover the internal organs, the critical parts of that soldier's life. And it has this idea of the breastplate of righteousness, of character and integrity. And our righteousness is found not in ourselves, but in Christ alone. And so when temptation comes our way, we walk a life of righteousness because of what Christ has done. And that breastplate of righteousness protects us from the way that the enemy would try to destroy our hearts Solomon says it this way, Proverbs chapter four, verse 23, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Do you think the heart's important? And what the enemy will do is he will try to tempt you. He will throw things your way. He will use whatever it is that he figures out you might be vulnerable to. And if we, why don't everybody, everybody just turn to the person next to you and tell them your greatest temptation. One, two, no, don't do that. But you already knew what it was. And the enemy of your soul has figured it out too. 
So he's gonna put that temptation out there because he wants to get to your heart. And the problem with temptation is that it tempts us for a reason. Because we look at it and we go, well, I'd like to get close to that. Like, I'd like to think that way. I'd like to do that. I'd like to respond in that way. There's those temptations that come and that's the challenge. I don't, I don't know that the cameras are picking it up, but if you and I have a chance to connect out in the atrium following the service, you'll see I've got this big old scratch right on my nose. I was out of town visiting some friends and uh, was getting ready to leave their apartment um, yesterday morning to go to an event. And as I was sitting there at the table eating my breakfast, they had this little cat that's about a year and a half, just the cutest little thing, who, yeah, sure is right, who was not happy with me sitting in that seat for some reason. And they came up and let me know. Well, here's the deal. A cute little cat. I was determined that that little critter's not going to win. Like, I, look at me. I'm going to win this cat over. Like, I'm the most lovable guy I know. I am going to win this cat over. And so the cat comes up and gives me that, you know, dirty cat look. And I'm like, oh, it's fine. It's me. You love me. You know, kind of thing. And the cat and I have a little bit of a history. Like, we've gotten along in the past. I know that if you, if you, if you can get the cat just right back here on its neck, it, it'll stop being hateful and it'll love Jesus for just a few seconds, right? <laughs> so, so we're having all this thing. And the cat, like, jumps up on the table and, like, gives me a kind of thing. I'm like, come on now, you don't mean that, you know. Pastor Chad here, you know, this kind of thing. And as I'm trying to win this cat over, that cat just comes up and says, like that. Got me, stuck its little claw right in my nose, just like that. So I had, so fast, and I had a meeting I was supposed to get to. I, it took 45 minutes for that dumb thing to stop bleeding. I was too proud to put on a Band-Aid, sorry about that, and was late for the meeting, all because I'm there, all because I was trying to win over this cute little thing that I forgot was out to destroy me. Do you see where I'm going with this? Because I see temptation, you see temptation, and you go, I can get close to that. I'll be okay with that. It's something, I'm, I'm, I'm okay, I'm better than that. And we forget that the whole reason temptation is at work is because it's trying to get to your heart. Does that make sense? So be ready when you're up in that tree and you see those battles of temptation coming. They're not cute little harmless temptations. Those suckers got claws. And they're after your heart. Here's another battle. We'll, we'll just call it battles of chaos. Anybody ever feel like you're in the midst of Chaos. Some of you, it's just, it's natural. It's the season of life in your home. It's what's going on in your job. Sometimes it's seasons where we have confusion or uncertainty or we don't know what to do. And we sense that chaos and we will live in moments like that. Sometimes because it's just where we live. Sometimes it's the season we're in. Sometimes it's an attack of the enemy. And what we need for chaos, Paul says, you put on the shoes of peace. You wear the shoes of the gospel, of the readiness, peace. Why does he say that? Any student of warfare, if, if you've looked back in history, you'll see that many, many battles, one of the key components was which side had the better footwear. Because you can't go out and fight if you're worried about how it's going to hurt your feet. From the Roman Empire to our own Revolutionary War, there were key turning points all because of those 10 toes. And if you're going to move forward, if you're going to stand your ground, you know what you need? It's peace. 
Philippians chapter four, verse seven tells us this, that the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds. I love that phrase, because here we're right back to that protective, almost military analogy. It will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So some of you, if you're in a place of chaos, today is a day for you to say, Jesus, will you help me to stand in peace? Because my world's crazy right now. My house is swirling, or my head is swirling. Jesus, before I move forward, it doesn't make sense to me, but you give a peace that goes on understand, beyond understanding. So ask him to help you in a battle of chaos. Let's keep running. How about battles of doubt? We will all have these moments where the enemy is gonna try to send doubt your way. Things that he'll want you to question. You can fill in the blanks on that. Paul takes a step further on this one though. He says that when he sends his doubt, he does it in a really dramatic way. He sends these fiery arrows so what was common in military warfare at that time was to take an arrow and, and right at the, at the point there, they would put some kind of fiber that they could then dip in pitch or tar. They could light it on fire. And then when they would shoot that arrow off, what it would do is it would not only have the deadly precision of that point, but that tar would then burn. That burn would then send fire with it and that fire would either destroy what it hit or it would stick and splatter all over and it would cause devastating damage, not just because of the arrow, but also because of the flames. So what the warrior had to have was a shield. And these shields were often made out of like a couple pieces of thick wood. They'd bind it and glue it all together. And then they would cover it in leather. And then they would soak the leather in water so that when the fiery arrows came, they could not only stop the point, but they could extinguish the flame. Isn't that cool? And oftentimes, if there was a barrage of fiery arrows coming, what the warriors would do is they would gather together and they would hold up their shields as a wall and even as a ceiling so that when they would huddle together, they would corporately protect themselves in a way where they would not be as safe if they were by themselves. I love that analogy because it shows me that my faith is so important, that when the enemy speaks doubt, instead I need to speak truth. And when those fiery arrows come, I don't just hide, I can move forward in faith because I'm protected by faith. And there are some times when I'm not strong enough on my own and that's when I need you to huddle around me and create a fortress of faith where we can move forward together. Isn't that awesome? How God does that and how he works in our lives. So, so look, we've been walking through these pieces of armor, we've been handling them in the way that the warrior would put them on. So put on the belt, put on the breastplate, get the shoes on, take up that shield. The next two pieces are pieces that would then be handed to that warrior because the warrior's already kind of getting, getting all strapped in. So someone would come and then put that helmet on the warrior. Paul says you're gonna put on a helmet of salvation because you are gonna face battles of the mind. Now, I don't know about you, but I know that there are battles. Here's kind of the next one that we'll look at. We'll call them battles of the mind you and I are gonna face those battles in our minds. Sometimes they come from the enemy. Sometimes the biggest battles that I fight come from an enemy named Chad. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And we wrestle with those thoughts of inferiority, of who we are, of what we've done. Paul says when that comes, you put on the helmet of salvation and you remember when you're wrestling with guilt and shame that Jesus died on that cross so that your sins could be forgiven. Anybody glad for that? 
He says also when you have those moments when you think you can't make it or you're not good enough or your life doesn't have purpose, you remember that Jesus didn't just die but that he rose again and he's offered us eternal life. When you have a fear of the future, know that he's already conquered death, that we have salvation. And so when we wrestle with those thoughts from our enemy or from our our own selves as the enemy, we put on the helmet of salvation. What does he give us? Isaiah chapter 26, verse three. You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Next battle, this is cool. We go from defense, right? We've been standing our ground now to offense, right? The next two is how we're gonna move forward to victory. We'll call this next one battles of the word because when the enemy comes against us, what we use is the word of God to defeat him. Do you remember the stories in the gospels where Jesus is tempted and when the enemy meets him in the wilderness and what does the enemy find Jesus uses to defeat him? Every time it's the word of God. Every time he's using scripture, that's why Paul says we, we take up, we pick up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. It's our heavenly coffee pot. Can I get an amen? You stand your ground and your battle rattle and you swing that thing. If Jesus used scripture to defeat the enemy, then I'll use scripture to defeat an enemy that comes to me as well. Look, if you're in a battle right now, I'd encourage you, find a verse from scripture and say, God, when the enemy comes knocking on my door again, I'm gonna hang on to that from your word. Uh, let's jump to the last battle real quick. We're just gonna call this one battles of prayer. It's battles of prayer. Because the reality is, if you go walking into work tomorrow dressed in Roman armor, that will be your last day on the job, true? For most places. But if you realize that the way that we fight these battles it's when we come to the Lord. Paul says we are to pray in the spirit. We will, we'll talk about that and what he means by that here in a couple of weeks. But here's the reality, and I've, I've learned this in my life. There are things that happen when I pray that don't happen when I don't pray. There are things that happen when I pray that do not happen when I don't pray. True confession, something I've just been, I don't know, wrestling with for maybe months, and I've prayed about it, but my prayer has usually been, God, just fix it. Anybody? But then I prayed about it, and I took it to the Lord. You know what's interesting? There are things that are happening after I prayed that didn't happen when I didn't pray, because the battle is won when we pray. James chapter five, verse 16 tells us that the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. All right, quick review. Here's, here's our battle plan for spiritual warfare, you start with your strength because the strength is not in you, but we are strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. You dress for success, you put on the full armor of God, you wear that battle rattle, you identify the enemy, that there are spiritual forces at work and then you stand your ground and you fight your battles and it may be helpful for you to get up in that tree, take a look out and see what's coming. And here's the deal. I think I feel this because I know what's gonna happen to you tomorrow. <laughs> tomorrow, you're gonna step back out into your Monday and your week, and the enemy is gonna be scheming against you, and there's warfare that's gonna come your way. And I don't want you to miss that Paul has given to us in the book of Ephesians a really clear, clear, clear picture of how we can fight those battles. I remember being a kid being in a Sunday school classroom and having a teacher put up a poster 
that had a picture of like a warrior and where each one of those pieces of the armor was on that picture, it had the word that described belt of truth and shield of faith. Does anybody else know what I'm talking about? Have you seen those images? Like they're awesome for kids because they teach kids about the armor of God. And what's interesting though is when Paul wrote this, he never said, put on the full armor of God and in parentheses said, because it'll really help your kids. He said that because of you. He said that because when Paul wrote the book of Ephesians, he was trying to go, how do I help a church that I love in a really messed up world live a life of peace and victory when all they have around them is battle and chaos? Paul wasn't writing this from some resort on the Mediterranean. You know where Paul was? When Paul wrote it, he was sitting in a prison in Rome Paul's sitting there going, how do I help this church that I love to know how they can be victorious? And what historians would tell us is that where Paul is in that prison, he can probably look up and see a Roman soldier. In fact, odds are many believe that he was probably actually chained to a Roman soldier, which was the practice for some severe what they would call criminals in that day. So Paul is sitting there trying to figure out how can I explain this and he realizes there's an illustration right in front of me 24-7 that I can give to the church to say that when you're facing your battles, you need to put on the full armor of God. It may even be that Paul could look out of his cell and around the corner and actually watch some of these warriors actually put their battle rattle on. And when Paul says to the church that he loves, here's how you can be victorious, he's giving them an actual image so that the next time they face a battle, they'll have a picture in their mind of how they can move forward towards the victory that God has for them. And so when I talk about this, I don't want you to just go, well, that was, that was an interesting little sermon today, wasn't it? No, tomorrow morning, I want you to wake up and go, I'm gonna put on the full armor of God, and I'm gonna go out and I'm gonna win this battle. And that may literally mean that you need to pull up those scriptures tomorrow. Maybe you're gonna have them on a note card, or maybe I went ahead and just pulled it up on the Bible app on my phone so I'd have that passage of scripture, and then I just took a screenshot of it so I don't have to go digging for it. It's right there in my photos. You might even wanna make it the, the wallpaper on your phone so that before you get out of bed in the morning or before you get in your car or before you walk in the classroom or before you step into your job, you take a moment and say, God, okay, will you help me? Because I need to put on the belt of truth. And I need to put on the breastplate of righteousness. And you run through those elements and you get ready for battle. Because you know why? Because if you're not going to fight for it, who is? This is your fight. And there's an enemy who wants to destroy you. And to think otherwise would just be foolish. And I'm just calling you to stand your ground and fight your battles. There's a region in Scotland that's called Helensburg. It's one of the wettest regions in the United Kingdom. They will have rain 190 days a year that will add up to about 63 inches of water every year. That's a lot of rain, isn't it? There's a house there that was built in 1904. They say it's an architectural masterpiece. It was uh, built in 1904, it's called the Hill House. It was built by a guy named Charles McIntosh. And it's this incredible home. It was built out of, he wanted to do something unique, 
So he built it out of like a gray Portland cement on the exterior instead of like the limestone that they would typically use there. And it's a really fascinating place. The problem is you have all that moisture. It's in the air, it's in the ground, and the Portland cement is not holding up. So over the years, the people there who love this home, this incredible building that's there and marks their landscape is beginning to crumble and deteriorate. The local officials say, this house is falling apart like watching an aspirin in a glass of water. Do you know what I mean? It's just crumbling. So like, we gotta do something about this. So they commissioned these folks to come in and they literally built like a, a greenhouse over top of this massive structure had like this this greenhouse type glass over the top of it to cover it and then along all the sides of the house they've got it covered in like a chain link fence or in classic british fashion it's like chain mail that a knight would wear 32.4 million metal rings that are all woven together to protect this house and hold up the structure and to save it from the elements that are trying to destroy it. And when I read that story, I was like, well, you've, you've basically covered over this whole house. You can't even see it. You can't, you can't even enjoy it. it can't. At first it was like, this is just weird to me. And then it struck me, what would you do if that was your house, Chad? Like if your house was in a place where the elements were trying to destroy it, wouldn't you do everything you could to protect it and sustain it? and to make sure that it would stand. And look, for some of you, your home, your lives, your souls are in an environment where the enemy would love to destroy it. And Paul, Chad, and God in his word is calling you to stand. Would you stand with me today? Whether you're in this room, auditorium too, Maybe you're watching this on a screen, you're listening to this. Just take a moment, put yourself in a posture where you're gonna say, Lord, I can't do this on my own. I need your strength. Even right now, would you just begin to ask him, God, I need your strength. We're gonna sing a song together that says, this is how I fight my battles. And as we sing this song, would you just say, God, would you help me to stand? Father, we thank you for your word. And we thank you that we don't have to stand alone. And that our strength in the midst of battle does not come from ourselves or some outside weird source, Lord, but we can be strong in the Lord and in your mighty power. And so, Father, would you help us in the battles that we're facing today as we trust in you? In Jesus' name, amen. Let's sing the song of faith together. This is how I fight my battles. Oh, this is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I, let's declare that. Oh, this is how I fight my battles. Oh, this is how I fight my battles. Oh, this is how I fight my battles. This is how I, this is, oh, this is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. Oh, this is how I fight my battles. This is how I,
cool line where it says, it may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. I wanna sing that again one more time in faith, but here's, here's my question, and just, just real quick, we don't need to take a lot of time. Anybody fighting a battle? If you are, just raise your hand. You know you're in the middle of something. This wasn't just, hey, thanks, I may use this in a year, but I need it like in about 10 minutes. Anybody, just raise your hand, keep it up for a minute. It's a statement of faith to say, God, it may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. I would say everybody in this room, if you're watching on the screen, would you just lift your hands to the Lord right now and just say, God, would you equip me for battle? God, would you help me for the struggles that I'm facing or for the challenges ahead? I'm gonna stand in your strength. Let's sing that again in faith and say, God, even if it looks like I'm surrounded, I know I'm surrounded by you. Give your battle to the Lord in this minute and trust it to him. Believe he's gonna step in. Let's sing this out in faith. God, we trust you today. Thank you, Lord. some of those that should have. Holy Spirit, right now, would you come and remind them that the battle is the Lord's and that they can be strong in the Lord and in your mighty power. When the enemy comes in in whatever way, whatever those battles are that they're facing, would you help them to put on the full armor of God and then to stand knowing that you are standing with us. God, thanks for your word. Holy Spirit, thanks for your presence here today. Lord, we ask that as we step out into the things that you have ahead, that we would just sense and know your favor. We'd sense and know your power. We'd sense and know your victory. Would you send us from here with your special favor and with your wonderful peace? And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. One more time. Can we thank him today? Thanks so much for being here. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.